Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'm, I'm going to read you something. I could tell you the story, but I think I did a better job of writing it than, than I, I would leave something out, and I'd probably catch a bunny trail. So uh, I'm going to read a story of something that I wrote a long time ago, but, it, it, but it, it actually happened. And it was one of those impactful moments that uh, everybody has in their life. Maybe not the same situations, but everybody's got those impactful moments. It goes like this. Get up. I need your help. This is what Ralph said as he came through my front door without even knocking or asking if I was busy. I guess that it was apparent by my location on the couch with my feet kicked up on the coffee table that I was not very busy. Before I could answer, he looked at me and said, we'll be gone two nights and I'll be waiting in the truck. And he walked out and shut the door. With that, I took a deep breath and got up and got my stuff together. Now, I didn't want to go anywhere. I had my weekend all planned out, and most of my plans involved the couch that I was sitting on. Ralph didn't realize how hard I had been working or how much I needed just a little bit of rest. But friends, they are friends. I found out that we were going to gather some cattle that a rancher couldn't get in the pens. It had been a long while since I'd done any cowboying. To be honest, it had been a long time since I'd done anything. At the ranch the first night, Ralph cooked some steaks on an open fire and wrapped some ears of corn in foil with some butter and just threw them in the fire. These two things, along with some potatoes prepared the same way, was a welcome treat, and I ate like I hadn't in months. He just sat there and smiled as he watched me put away the good vittles. The first night ended with a stuffed belly and a single glass of scotch and water, and most of the time we said nothing as we alternated looking at the stars and back into the small fire that was now more coals than anything else. We spent the night in bedrolls in the spare bedroom of a house that was just used when the rancher came out. It was a modest two-story, and it was long on functionality, but very little on convenience, and I was fixing to learn that the hard way. About 2 o'clock in the morning in a pitch-black house that I'd never been in until I walked upstairs and got in my bedroll, I found myself in a desperate need to relieve myself. You know how you wake up and it takes a second or two to figure out that you aren't in Texas anymore? Well, I couldn't even remember where the door was. I'm sure I was a sight to behold, but uh, in nothing but underclothes, crouched down with my butt out and my hands extended, trying to feel my way out of this bedroom. All the while doing the, oh my gosh, I have to pee right now dance. I mostly made it outside. And it may sound crude, but there's no, no better feeling than relieving yourself off the porch of the house because you could not find a bathroom or one single light switch to aid in your search. There was a, uh, sorry about that. Uh, there's no better feeling than that, especially not when you finish and turn around and fall through the porch. There was a board missing, and I had stepped right over it in my quest outside, but upon returning inside, I fell through. To add insult to injury, the night air had chilled, and I couldn't wait to get back into that canvas bedroll, except that I never found the room again, 
or a light switch or my bedroll, but I did find a couch, but no blanket. But I did find four small throw pillows that I covered up with and went to sleep. Ralph found me the next morning, and you could see the puzzled look on his face, and he started to ask why I was on the couch covered up with three small throw pillows in my underwear with blood on my leg, but then I think he decided that he didn't really care to know. He just said, meet me outside in 10 minutes. The rest of the story involves wild cow chases through rush and mesquite, rope burns on my hand, and one other thing, the courage to live again. You see, I'd just gone through a divorce and lost the nerve it takes to live. Sure, I went to work and all the things required for life. I told people I was fine. I laughed when I knew it was expected. I presented the best front that anyone had ever seen. But I had been trampled so hard that I was afraid of life. I had traded everything I was for a life of hiding instead of riding. As we drove home after many long miles of silence, I continued to look out the passenger window of the truck, and I did not turn and face my friend whenever I finally said, Thanks, Ralph. He didn't say anything for a long time, but when he did, it sure meant something. He said it takes courage to be a cowboy, and a cowboy has to live. He has to do what he was meant to do or the broken parts never heal. You can't live courageously by hiding on the couch, son. I'll never forget those words. You cannot live courageously while hiding on the couch, son. And that's what I had done. My life had turned to shambles. It was one of the worst times of my life. And I'm sure that maybe right now, or maybe uh, not too distant in the past, or maybe not then, but there's going to come a time in the future when we all go through one of these dark times. But today what we will be talking about is what I like to refer to, and as you will see in a little bit, what the Bible refers to as good medicine. Now I'm not talking about Dayquil or my, one of my favorites, Tylenol PM. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about not stuff that will make your snot go away, but that will start to heal you from the inside out. Because I know that more than likely a lot of you have felt just like that. Maybe you feel like that now. You feel trampled, like you've just been mashed into the dirt, like you're a bridle that's just been pawed off and, and mashed in into the side of the fence. I, I don't know what you're going through, but I know you've been through it. And I know that times have been hard right now or maybe recently or get ready because maybe they're coming again. But God has you here today because he has a message for you. And he also has some good medicine. And the first good medicine that I'm going to talk about, I already have. You just didn't know it. Because you see, friends are very good medicine. In Galatians chapter 6, in verses 2, in the beginning of Galatians 6, verse 2, and the end of Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, every, a lot of people, is kind of a famous verse, and a lot of not, and a lot of not a, a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize that it's not one verse. It, it's a partial verse of Galatians 6.2 and partial of Galatians 6.4. Galatians 6.2, the very first part says, share each other's burdens. Now, most people can finish it, but carry your own load, right? 
Share each other's burdens, but carry your own load. Those are actually two different verses, uh, Galatians 6.2 and Galatians 6.4. But that's what friends do. Friends, great friends, true friends, will share each other's burdens. But you've got to carry your own load. See, Ralph knew that I had a burden that I needed help with. He couldn't carry my load, but he could share in my burden. And the only way that stinking old cowboy knew what to do is he had known from his life that sometimes you've just got to get up and just get back at it. And what a blessing he was to me to come in. He didn't ask me if I felt like going and working some cows. He didn't ask me if I wanted to. He busted in the door and said, get your stuff, we're going. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had that type of friends to help you? Wouldn't it be even more amazing if you were that type of friend? Because, see, we need to share each other's burdens. They've got to carry their own load. You have to carry your own load. Nobody can fix you, but we can help each other out. Friends are good medicine for our soul. And it's not just you that needs friends. Even Jesus himself had friends. And, and you know, I think we throw the word friend around a lot. Uh, and and, and I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to offend some people, and that's okay, because that's kind of my job sometimes. But, you know, you hear that deal of, well, we're in, we're in, uh, we're in America, speak English. English is stupid. I don't know why any of us speak English. We use the same word love for our wife and for popcorn. Okay? There, 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 and there. None of us know which one to use. Okay? Except that one grammar Nazi, and you know who it is. Okay? I mean, my gosh. And the word friend is the same way. We throw it around a lot. Oh, yeah, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's my friend. Well, Jesus had friends, too, but they came in varying degrees. He had six really great friends. He had six. Can you name them? Now, the most obvious is Peter, James, and John. And as Ty talked about names, uh, I, I love James and John. They called themselves the, th the sons of thunder. <laughs> they must have been wrestling or something. You know, sons of thunder. You know, that's what me and Ty is going to try to come up with something like that, you know. You know, we got we. <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, anyway, so you know, Peter, James, and John were, were were the inner circle of Jesus's ministry friends, but he also had some personal friends. Do you remember that? Where it said where Jesus would go when he was in the neighborhood to relax. His other three friends' names was Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus, <laughs> Lazarus. Jesus had some close friends. We are not meant to do this alone. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he knew what was coming. He didn't say, y'all stay here while I go do this hard stuff. He said, man, would y'all come with me? Would y'all come with me? Because th this is going to be hard. And, and yeah, I do have to go over here by myself and pray. But would y'all stay here and pray with me? And, and, and honestly, they, they didn't do a real good job with that. But you know, when push came to shove, man, they jumped up. Peter jerks out a big old butcher knife, whacks a man's ear off. Jesus is like, no, you're not. That's not what you're supposed to do, but thanks anyway. You know, they, they were. And then Peter, you know, he denies him three times. And, but that, that's another story. But still, Jesus had good friends. You need good friends. You need great friends. And if you don't, you know, here's the thing. You know, if you want to have great friends, what do you have to be? A great friend. 
So if you don't have great friends, it's probably because you don't know how to be a great friend. Well, if you're going to be a great friend or have great friends, you've got to kind of open yourself up to being vulnerable because a lot of you are in self-protection mode. You don't let anybody get close to you because you've been hurt before, and I get that. But you know what? You don't get the really great without opening yourself up really great. It's the way it is. Jesus also had some other, you know, he, he had his ministry great friends, Peter, James, and John, his, his personal friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. But then he had the 12 disciples. They were his good friends, you know. He, he even calls them that at one time. He said, no longer are y'all my servants, but you're my friends. Man, to be called a friend of Jesus? Man, that's awesome. And the same thing is open to all of us. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. A lot of you probably grew up singing that in church. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. But even then, he had, he had six really close friends. He had 12 good friends. And then he had 72 disciples. The sending of the 72, there, there was 12 main disciples. But there was, I mean, he had to send, the sending of the 72. I mean, there was other people around. So they were probably what we would better term as acquaintances or followers. But the point is, is that good medicine for our souls is we need to have friends. They are there to share each other's burdens, even though you've got to carry your own load. You know, uh, once again, the, the, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And that's not just a one side as a lot of religious people. Anytime a religious man wants you to do what he tells you to do, he's like, well, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, that's not what that means. Okay. That means it's a give and take on both sides, that, that you raise somebody up and, and, and that they raise you up. And it's a relationship, not a you do what I tell you to do because I'm sharpening you. Shut up, religious fella. I get, it fires me up with religion, okay? This is about a relationship with God and relationship with each other. You want good medicine? You want your soul to be fixed, man? Get you some great friends. Start off with some good friends, okay? You, you get those by hanging out, of getting to know each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, I think it's the best illustration from, from, from the Holy Spirit telling Paul what to write down. This is what the Holy Spirit told Paul to write down. And some of us should really take this into account. And a lot of people say, well, I just don't know what to do. Well, this is what you do right here. It says, do not be deceived. Don't lie to yourself. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Man, you know, we, we've got rid of some of the cows at the ranch because, man, when you get one that throws her head up and jumps four fences, you know, if you put her in with the other ones, sometimes it settles her down, but a lot of times the next time she jumps four fences, she's going to take four more with her, right? Bad company corrupts good character. Who are you hanging out with? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? Man, hang out with some people that's going to push you. Hang out with some people that's going to hold you accountable. Hang out with some people that's going to grow you. Do you want to be like that guy over there that he's an alcoholic, runs his mouth off, getting in a fight all the time? Or do you want to be over there with that fella that, that, that is, a, is a pillar? Man, let, let, I, I want to go over there with the pillar, not the pill. Good medicine. Man, you need some good medicine for your soul. Find you a friend, a great friend. 
I am very blessed to have great friends. I mean, I've probably had about six great friends in my life, and that's really good for 24. I mean, that's, that's blessed. And some of them live here. It's not just at some distant time in the past. I've got some great friends, and I've got some good friends. Most of y'all are my friends. You're my family. And that's good medicine for my soul. I was living in Alpine, Texas. In Alpine, Texas, if you've ever been there, it's got a really kind of quaint downtown area, the old town, and it's made up of, you know, these these like mercantile buildings and everything, and there's two one-way streets, and, you know, so in order to get over here, you got to go down a couple of blocks and then go down this one way and go over and then come back down. And so it's two one-way streets, and one day I was driving along on one of these one-way streets, and I was behind a truck that had a trailer on it, a flatbed trailer with a bunch of fast-line black pipe that the oil field uses a lot down there. And so here's this dually pickup pulling a flatbed trailer full of about 3,000 feet of, of fast-line, it looked like. And so we pull up to one of these, uh, I say it's a four-way stop because it was a one-way this way and a one-way this way, so it was kind of like a two-way stop. But anyway, the truck pulled up and stopped. Then another car pulled up. And I remember looking at it because it was a real fancy Cadillac. I don't know why I remember that. And anyway, it starts to go, and so I start to go. And just as the truck gets to the intersection, this fancy Cadillac decides it's her turn. So she just drives right into the middle of where the hitch is between this truck and this trailer and sees it at the last second and slams on the brake, but the truck driver doesn't see it. I mean, it's just a regular pickup. He's grabbing second gear. Why? And if you've never heard the front end of a Cadillac torn off by a 16-foot flatbed trailer, it is an amazingly kind of a sweet sound. Of course, you know, the guy kind of feels it, and he slams on the brakes. So now we've got half a Cadillac stuck between the truck and the trailer. And you know how you see stuff happening in slow motion? I didn't I just kind of pulled forward. I just put my car in, my truck in park, and turned on the flashers as the front end of this Cadillac's getting ripped off. It's great. Car wreck at one and a half miles an hour. Most damage I've ever seen in my life. So I get out. And I walk over there, and I'm the first one to this lady. I don't know how she wrecked, because she was driving very proficiently, because she had her hands at two and four. And she was looking straight ahead, and her eyes were real wide. So I knocked on the door, and I said, Ma'am, are you okay? Ma'am, are you okay? She looks at me. She looks back, and I ask again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe she's injured. I said, Ma'am, are you okay? She turned and looked, and she goes, I'm test driving. I looked at her with all the love in my heart, and I said, not anymore. <laughs> I felt so sorry for her. It was one of the funniest things I've ever, funny not because she was in an accident. Funny because I was glad it didn't happen to me. Because anytime you've ever done that, you know, you borrow a vehicle or something, you go for a test drive. I mean, isn't that your worst nightmare, right? I was on a test drive. <laughs> not anymore. You know what's good medicine? What you're doing now, laughing. Laughter is real good medicine. You know, we've got a lot to be thankful for if you really think about it. Man, the fact that you're sitting here today, the fact that you can watch on an internet. I mean, we've got so much to be thankful for. We've got so much to be grateful for. We should be walking around like idiots with big old smiles on our face, but we don't. But we probably should 
be able to laugh. Because laughter is good medicine. Laughter is the fruit of a joyful heart. I mean, surely we can find something inside our heart. If it's still beating, can't we find a reason to be joyful? Laughter is the fruit of a joyful heart. It's also the fruit of gratefulness. Okay? I mean, can't can we find something to be grateful for? But, but instead, what, what do, and, and I'm including myself, man, I fall into this trap too. But man, all we do is gripe and moan and complain about the things that are wrong. But think about how much is right. Man, we can find a reason to be joyful. We can find a reason to be thankful. We can find a reason to be grateful. And when you are joyful, thankful, and grateful, then you'll, you'll, you'll start having this joy in your life and you'll find that it's easier to laugh. You ever known that guy that thinks it's cool to be a stick in the mud? Nobody wants to be like that. Don't be like that. Be quick to laugh. Shoot, be quick to cry. Did you know that laughing and crying are the only two healthy ways to deal with emotion? Because that emotion is going to fester out. You know what I mean? You get a splinter and you don't pull it out because you're scared of tweezers. I don't know if I'm... Well, anyway, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, don't be fearful. You got a, you got a splinter and, and it festers out. You know, in Texas, everything's got a thorn on it. So I'm pretty well versed in that. And don't ever give my wife a, a needle and some tweezers. She'll gouge your heart out. She's good. And so anyway, it'll fester out. But that, that, that emotion, that, that, that wreck that's going on inside of us, there's only two ways it can come out in a healthy way. And that's to laugh and cry. Sometimes, you, it's just, sometimes it sucks so bad you just got to laugh about it. Okay? It's, sometimes, sometimes, man, you, you just, you just got to bow your head and just bawl your eyes out sometimes. And if you can't do that, you're not tough. You're weak because you think that you're being strong by not laughing and not crying, but, you, but it's not strength, it's weakness because that stuff is festering out in other ways. You're, you're gripey. You complain. You jump on those that you love. You're short-tempered. Maybe it's coming out in addictions or self-medicating in other ways. Man, we have to learn to to gauge what we've got going on inside of us in a healthy way by giving it to God. And if there needs to be a release, and there does, we release it with laughing and crying. It's the, it's, the two, it's the pressure relief valves that God gave us. Don't be ashamed of either one of those. You want good medicine, man? You, get you some friends, some great friends. And if you don't have any great friends, it might be an indication that you don't know how to be a great friend. But we were made for relationships. Say yes the next time somebody invites you to do something. Call that person that was on your mind. Man, send them a text. Hey, man, you was on my mind today. Thank you for who you are. You've been a great friend. You've been a good friend. Maybe you need to text somebody and say, I've been a sorry friend, but I want to make it up. Learn to laugh. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Man, you, you wonder why you feel so run down all the time? You ever seen somebody that just has the weight of the world on their shoulders? I mean, their, their shoulders are slumped and I mean, their head is down. You don't have to ask what's wrong because really, you're not sure if you want to know. How are you? Why did I ask that? I can tell. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Man, we can kind of 
reverse engineer that a little bit, can't we? Can't we say that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength? That's saying that if we have a cheerful heart, it will give us strength. Try it out. What do you have to lose? Nothing and everything to gain. A cheerful heart is good medicine. You know, uh, Friday was, was kind of a special day to me. It's not going to really mean much to y'all, but um, last October I had shoulder surgery. And then December 29th, I had elbow surgery on the same side. And Friday was the first time that I went and rode. Second time I was on a horse. But Ty was like, hey, what are you doing Friday? I was like, uh, nothing. What, what's going on? Do you want to rope? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. So I went and got Butthead, talking about horse names. That's pretty aptly named. But not for, the well, half the reason you think. Because he can be a Butthead. But really, I named him Butthead because... He's a really good-looking horse except for his butt and his head. I mean, if you just look at his rib cage, he's real nice. Real nice. I mean, like top-notch. Y'all should... I'm selling... He's in the gelding breeding registry. And so... Um, <laughs> how much should we charge for that, Ty? For a donation of 100 bucks. 100 bucks, you can come out and get your mare bred by Butthead. And so, anyway... Uh, I, I rode Fiona the first time I rode after my shoulder and elbow surgery, and I rode her because she's only this high off the ground, but Butthead, he's a lot taller than that. So I get out there, and, uh, and, and that's the thing, with good friends. It was amazing how just being around good friends just lifts your spirits. And, and the thing about it is, man, I, I love roping and riding and all of that, but, you know, honestly, all of that is just an excuse it's the fellowship with other people that I like. Man, when me and Robert go out and work, I, we're always laughing or telling stories. That's what being a, that's the magical part about being a cowboy. It's not about the roping and the riding, and, and that's cool, and we like to show off a little bit, you know. But really, it's the camaraderie that, that is important. It's the laughing. It's the friendship. There's also another part of it that I got to experience on Friday that is seldom really realized. You see, whenever we started out, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous. I mean, I, I had swung, when I, when I worked with Robert, the first time I'd kind of swung my rope a few times, but it's a little lightweight rope. And now I had a lead cord line, 60-foot rope that I was going to try to rope with. And, and might I say that I have given up roping because I went in there, and on my very first cow, I threw a hula hand and nailed her. So I, I, I roped it, I quit. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Not really, I didn't quit. But anyway, before that, we, 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 were, we, had to, we had to pour our five replacement heifers, and then we had another heifer that was donated from Idaho that we needed to slap a brand on. So we were going to brand her, and uh, we had to separate her from a few cows. We had to separate uh, a few cows off. And so, so Ty and Abe go, and they start separating the cows off, and they send us two cows, and Ty sends me, and he says, Hey, you go down there and pin these two cows. Well, I can do that, cowboy. Or at least I thought I was. Because I didn't get it done. I got down there and they went straight in the pen and then came straight back out and never got near that pen again. And I'm, me and Butthead are going back and forth trying to get these two cows in. And finally I hear Ty say, hey, could y'all just come help us down here? Which in my brain I interpret as, if you can't do that, then come try to make a hand down here. But that's not what he meant. But you know how sometimes, man, when you're afraid... Or, or something's not going right, man. What your ears hear is not the same as what somebody says. And you know what? 
I'm ashamed to say it up here. But I turned to Ty and I said, did you want us to pin these two cows or go down there and help you? Because I can't do both. What a great friend I am. And I had to come before the first service and I stood right here with him putting this banner up and I had to apologize and ask his forgiveness. But you know what? He had already given it to me. I could see it in his eyes. There's a lot of things that I know he could have said. I'm sure there's about a million things that he wanted to say back to me. And I was afraid because isn't that where a lot of this stuff comes from? I was afraid that I couldn't even, I couldn't even pin two cows down here and he was calling me back because I was lacking. But that wasn't the truth. Because I wasn't paying attention to what was going on down there. Going on down there, they couldn't hold their cattle either. They needed some help. But I took it wrong and I snapped at my best friend. I was afraid that I wasn't living up to his expectations. I was afraid that I would be found lacking. I was afraid that I was even afraid. It was my first time horseback. I'd gone through a lot of pain and a lot of surgery. And there's all these emotions running through me. And then the last thing I want to do is the first thing I did. I snapped at my friend. But you see, Ty doesn't love me based on what I do. He loves me because of who he is. And I could see the sting on his face. But he just kind of brushed it off and didn't say anything else. And we ended up roping together and we laughed together and roped good together and we got everything done and everybody was safe. The stock was safe. The horses were safe. The, the cowboys and, and cowgirls were safe. Everything went as planned. And then the cold front blew in and we all skedaddled. You ever skedaddled? If you was at the ranch the other day, you could have seen it firsthand. But see, here's the deal. The third good medicine is receiving forgiveness, especially forgiveness that you don't even deserve. And did you know that that's what the good news is, is receiving forgiveness for something that you do not deserve. And Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. David also spoke of it. Listen to this right here, man. This is phenomenal. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared right with God without working for it. Let me read that again. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. David said, oh, what joy for those, joy for those, joy for you whose disobedience is forgiven whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those, for you, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Because see, I know that there's been weight in some of the way that you've been living your life, maybe some of the things that you've done in the past, maybe some things that are going on right now. You want some good medicine? Receive that forgiveness. You don't have to work for it. If you work for something, then you earn it. And you can't earn that type of forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to make up for the sins that you have committed. There's nothing you can do. For the wages of sin is death. The only way you could make up for it is basically to sacrifice yourself. But then that's a, that's a no-no too. Right? Why would we hurt the temple of God? We're not going to sacrifice ourselves. But you know what God did? He sent His Son to be the final sacrifice for all of us because He was the perfect sacrifice. If it's a perfect sacrifice, there's no need for any more. Why are you beating yourself up when God has already forgiven you? 
Now, I know a lot of you is like, well, I can forgive others, but I can't forgive myself. You know what that is? That's looking up at the cross with Jesus' blood running down it and saying, hey, man, I appreciate all the dying and the perfect living for 33 years and all of that stuff, but your life and death were not enough to cover my sins. What a crock that is. Receiving forgiveness is good medicine. And you know how you receive it? You just say thank you and you take it. I mean, have you ever had anybody that you wanted to give them something nice and then they tried to pay you for it? Doesn't that just totally erase the gift? When you say, hey, man, I want to do something nice for you here. And then they're like, well, how much do I owe you? Shut up. You just ruined it, dummy. That's the same way with God. Think about this. He's on the cross. He's got a hand extended to the right, a hand extended to the left. He's suffocating. He's dying. And there's two thieves, two sinners on each side. And one of the sinners accepts the grace and mercy and forgiveness that Jesus offers with this hand and the other one doesn't. Which are you? Will you receive the grace, mercy, and forgiveness today? Or will you continue to say, you know what, Jesus, I appreciate all that, but it wasn't enough. Not even God sending his own son to die on the cross was enough to forgive myself. Not going to do it. Then you continue to live your miserable life. You continue to mistreat those around you. You continue to be a loner, or you can turn it around and you can accept the grace and forgiveness that Jesus is offering because you can't earn it. You ain't got to work it off. You just accept it, and then you go out and you be a great friend and have good friends because good friends are good medicine. You get joy in your heart because it says right there, a cheerful heart is good medicine. You get a cheerful heart. Learn to laugh again. Shoot, learn to cry again. Isn't it? I mean, I've got a granddaughter that's like nine months old. Man, she does both of those great. She's either doing one or the other usually. Maybe we need to also. There are things that we need to weep over. And there's a lot more that we need to just laugh and be joyful. Good grief. What is the matter with us? I know. I may not know the situation, but I know you need some good medicine. And I've lined it out. God has lined it out biblically. I just had the privilege of sharing what he's offering with every single one of you. You don't have to feel guilty anymore. Maybe you're going through health problems. Maybe you're going through relationship problems. Maybe you're going through work problems. Maybe you're going through family problems or addiction problems or you've lost loved ones. Whatever your problem, you want some good medicine, get you some great friends and you get great friends by being a great friend. Learn to laugh. Learn to have a joyful heart. And receive the forgiveness that God is offering. And in turn, guess what we do? We forgive others even if they, do, even if they don't deserve it. Especially when they don't deserve it. That will clear your conscience and lift a weight of the world off your shoulders. Receive the gift of the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. We should be joyful. We should be great friends. And we should receive the, the forgiveness that Jesus offers as well as give it away that's the best medicine there is and they are all found perfectly in the son of god you cannot live courageously while hiding on the couch you were meant to be more and it's available all you have to do is choose it let's pray father thank you for forgiving our sins and allow us to become your kids through the life death and resurrection of your kid your son your only son in whom you loved let us grow even closer to you in faith and letting us come boldly to you where we can cast all of our cares and anxieties on you because you care for us. Heal us of our broken parts and give us strength and courage to stand up for you, follow you, 
and worship you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.